Hey everybody, welcome to episode 8 of the Trail Talk podcast. I have to begin by saying that it feels so good to say episode 8 because that means we have been at this for almost 4 months. Something that was a small idea has become something much larger already. Our message is spreading and that's all thanks to you guys. Thank you for your feedback, your support, helping to spread our message with us. Without you, this podcast would just be me talking into a microphone and some editors in the back. So thank you so much for being as passionate about this as we are. Now, our guests have been incredible so far, and I love who we've had on the show so far. Today's episode is going to be no exception, guys. You're going to love today's guests. Before I get to that, though, I want to say that the audio might sound uh, a little bit different today. Uh, at the recording of this podcast and also of this intro, we've been on the road doing a lot of filming for Trail Dogs um, items and media that we're going to be putting out and videos for the YouTube channel and so on. I'll save all that for later. But just so you know, we don't have our usual equipment, so it might sound a little bit different. Um, most of the podcast will be good, but if you hear any background noise, don't worry. It's just because we're recording in a little bit of a different style. The episode is awesome, and you guys are, are absolutely going to love it. It's with some of your biggest influencers that I know you guys are passionate about following on Instagram. All right, all right, I'll let it out. Today's episode is with Jen and Dave and their incredible dog, Sora. You probably know them as the Long Haul Trekkers. Now, if you haven't heard of them, pause this for just a minute, check out their Instagram page, and get a quick glimpse of how incredible they are. Not only how passionate they are about life, but how good of a life they give their dog. And I'm not going to give too many details, but since the recording of this podcast, they may have added a new family member. So I'll save that. You can go check that out as well. But you don't only admire them because of their adventure and their journey and their really good Instagram photos, but they've taken some epic and really long travels with their dog bikepacking for over a year, traveling around foreign countries with their dog and a bike trailer and living everything by their sides out of their pannier bags. And to me, that's just so inspiring to see someone take it to that scale. But they're also incredible with the day-to-day -day adventures, just enjoying life and knowing that a nine-to-five job and an office job are not the only options out there. If you like that, fine. That's totally cool. But they broke away from it, and I think that their story is going to inspire you to do the same or consider taking your own path that's truly calling you if you feel like you're on the wrong path. So I'm going to save all the details for the podcast, guys. You're really going to enjoy it. And one last thing that I want to put out before we get rolling here is our brand new page. I introduced it in the last podcast episode. That's our Patreon page. We just launched it. We're going to be start releasing exclusive content on it. It's for those of you that want to support us and just go the extra step to help us produce these podcasts and videos and all the media that we're putting out totally for free, which has been the way we've been at it. But if you have a dollar or two to spare and you want to support us and help us Keep putting out amazing content, guys, videos and podcasts and all that take a lot of time. And this is just a way for having the most passionate members of our community take the extra step. 
You'll get some exclusive content, exclusive rights to giveaways, all kinds of good stuff coming your way. I'll save the details. It's all on the page, guys. It's at Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash trail dogs. So if you're interested, go check it out. And if not, I hope you guys keep enjoying the podcast and our new YouTube channel, which we're just starting to release gear reviews on. And we have some really good video series coming up for you guys. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Trail Talk Podcast brought to you by Trail Dogs. Super, super excited to sit down with two of the coolest people and one of the coolest dogs on Instagram. You guys will know them as the Long Haul Trekkers. So check it out. I'm with Jen and Dave today. So we have good company and uh, we both have dogs in the background, which you guys are totally used to. So if you hear any background noise you know it's just our furry friends but uh jen and dave welcome to the show thanks so much for having us excited to be here awesome super stoked to talk to you guys i know there's a lot of people that see your story online and you know probably just want to know a little bit more about how you got started you know how you came to live such an adventurous life um so we'll go through little by little um but if we take a couple steps back do you guys uh, mind sharing how how you guys and you know Sora kind of met up or came to be um, even even before we dive into the uh, the adventure aspects of things? Sure, absolutely. So uh, I'll give a quick quick story on the Sora adoption and how she came into my life because I adopted her. She's thirteen now, so almost ten years ago. Uh, as a project dog, I was volunteering at the Oregon Humane Society and I had another dog and I thought, well, one of them's easy, two of them will be easy as well. And uh, I was, I was of course, very wrong. And uh, she needed a lot of work as a herding breed. It was the first time I had worked with one and uh, I had a whole ton of issues that um, we weren't really aware of. But as I worked with her on a lot of positive reinforcement, actually took her sheep herding, I was able to kind of get her to this point where she could flourish and, and be a part of the family. You want to share how we met, Jen? Sure. Um, so, I don't know, five years later, I guess, Dave and I met attending a sustainable business school that at the time was called Lambridge Graduate Institute, and it, it no longer exists really, actually. It was um, bought out by another sustainable business program in San Francisco. Um but it was uh, a really small program, so you got to know people really well throughout the two years. And date, there was a few people from Portland, um, so we kind of always hang out together and travel together. So um, anyway, we met there, and uh, I knew, you know, when <laughs> when he had two dogs, I I was kind of smitten from from the beginning, and 
Um, Sora and I have just become really close. Actually, Dave has kind of admitted lately that <laughs> she'll wait outside of the shower door for me. She'll <laughs> hang out with me when I'm working. She waits for at the door when, when I'm not here. So she and I have really bonded over, you know, the past five years. And it's great because I had always wanted a dog growing up. We always had cats, which I still love cats. I think they're great. Um, but I just always wanted a dog because I, you know, I enjoy going outdoors and running and hiking and, and all those activities. And, um, you know, she's just been a great companion. Yeah. Awesome. This is super good to know. And, you know, since you guys have been with her so long, it's, you know, a piece that people probably don't get to get to hear a ton about. Um, and I don't know, there's a pretty big movement on Instagram with, you know, people taking pictures of cats on top of like summits and stuff anymore. So <laughs> yeah, it's super impressive. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite are the backpacks with, with the windows. <laughs> yeah. The hard ones that look like spaceships. Those are great. Yes. <laughs> oh man. That's, that's all we need to start having, um, is dogs <laughs> and backpacks like that. Yeah. <laughs> the next podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that'll be our next, next tip for everybody. Um, no, super cool. I appreciate you guys sharing. So, um, let's, let's go to, I know you guys have done, um, some big time, you know, big time treks as far as bikepacking go and, you know, things overseas and let's, let's dive into that. You know, one of, you can either, you know, go broad with it or you can go in depth and talk a little bit longer about it, but Give people some background on, you know, when they go onto your Instagram and they see these just remarkable photos of you guys bikepacking and you have the Burley trailer and, you know, where your adventures took you um, with Sora and a little bit of details about about that adventure. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So we we started about two years ago. We cycled toward from... Um, from Oslo, Norway to Istanbul, Turkey, and then sort of extended it into Greece and, and then started, we weren't really tired yet. We were tired, but Sora was itching for more adventures. So we headed to South America and cycled from Ushuaia, the southern tip in Patagonia, to Medellin, Colombia. And as part of those travels, how many countries did we do? 20? I think it was 22. 22 countries with Sora and uh over two year span and we took a lot of breaks in between and stopped at various places did some volunteering work um with some animal organizations and kind of displayed this mission of animal rescue and adoption and that you don't have to have this this uh like immaculate breed that's from a breeder you can do it with a rescue dog which in Sora's case she was from a rescue facility in Portland um family life new dogs and and so for us, it was always about taking Sora with us and making sure that we integrated her into the adventure. Um, we didn't do as much trail or, or off-road off travel as we would have liked to. We did some backpacking. We tried to get out as much as possible with her and sort of show people, hey, you can bring your dog with you. You don't have to leave him at home, that she's part of the family. She's one of us. If she's not allowed to come with us, then, she's, well, then we're not going. Just that simple. Awesome. No, that's a perfect background on it. Um, now, did you guys, was this, you know, going back to that moment where you decided to embark on something so large, 
Um, was this the first trip that you guys have done of that span, like that length or that distance? Um, yeah, I mean, I've, we've both lived abroad, um, but nothing, nothing quite as adventurous as this. And, um, before leaving, we had done a few weekend cycle tours around Oregon and, that was kind of it before we left. And, you know, we got to Oslo and we hadn't even packed our bags the way they should have been packed. We just, I call it a bike explosion outside of the airport. And we didn't even have a map. I had printed out these Google map directions that were useless. And somehow we made it to our destination. I still don't know how we did that. But, um, yeah. So we, we were pretty, not completely clueless, but we weren't. I wouldn't call ourselves experts by any means. <laughs> and life before that, was it, you know, kind of, as you guys described, just, you know, at home, were you, were you working as freelancers at the time or? No, um, Dave was working in you know corporate America and had been there for a really long time. And I had just gotten what I thought was my dream job. And, um, you know, Dave, Dave was, trying to get out of his job because he was kind of getting more and more miserable every day. And the steps he was trying to take was were not working. And I was getting unhappy with my job and just not wanting to be at a desk all day. I just, I was not made to be at a desk all day indoors. And one day he proposed the idea of doing a cycle tour across Europe with Sora. And I thought he was crazy. <laughs> And I was like, no, I just got my dream job. I can't just quit. I can't do this. You know, you know, all these, I can't, you know. Yeah. And then a few weeks later, the weather was starting to get nicer. And I'm, you know, standing at my desk, looking out the window, wanting to be out there. And so I came back and I said, okay, let's do this. And I still thought it was crazy. But, you know, we just, saying yes is often the hardest part. You just have mm -hmm. to say yes. And then you figure out how to make it happen. Yeah. So about a year, a little less than a year after we finally decided is when we took off. It's crazy how how the dream, you know, in quotes, <laughs> changes as life goes on. You know, like you said, you thought you really had the dream position and then you start to, you know, kind of reimagine what what uh, the dream life looks like and, you know, try and find the happy place and I think that's a huge point because I think a lot of people settle out of fear. Would you guys agree? Mm, yes, absolutely. Yep. So was it, you know, it sounds like you guys kind of just pondered the idea a little bit, um, you know, realized you weren't quite as happy in those positions. Um, for people that are looking to make that leap, and, and this could maybe, you know, be a quick talk or, or something longer, but for people that are in a position where, you know, they might just aren't, they might not be totally happy, you know, they're, they got somewhere that they had hoped to achieve, but they know there's something else out there, or, you know, they see other people online living this life that, you know, maybe they're a little afraid, afraid to pursue. Um, do you guys have any recommendations on how to make that transition? Um, you know, is it, a quick just do it or is it you know plan it out and think about you know what the alternative is and and such what do you guys think about that 
Um, yeah, I think I think a lot of people are not happy in their work or their lives, and I think that society dictates that we have to live a certain way and follow these processes of steps, and and that's the equation to happiness. And I think now, especially, you know, where the the current generation is not really able to do that. You know, we can't buy houses or, you know, it's harder to find work. We're in serious student debt and, you know, we have more debt than our parents have and it's just not possible anymore. And so I think that's why, you know, we're embracing this van lifestyle or nomadic lifestyle or more minimalist lifestyle. And, you know, that's kind of the way that we can survive now. And we're also learning that we can survive less. And I think there's so much in our face of consumption and buy this, buy that. And, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make people happy. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people are guided by fear and it is scary. It is scary to give up a job that gives you paychecks every, every two weeks. And that gives you health insurance and, you know, all this security um, but I think once you once you say yes and you kind of prepare yourself for this a, a different life where you you are not getting those things and and you have that insecurity you you know once once you're mentally ready for that it you find that it's you can do it and it might you might not be able to do it in the current city you're in or the country you're in. And, you know, a lot of why we were able to travel for so long is because we were in places where it was really inexpensive or the healthcare, there was healthcare available for everyone, including foreigners. Um, so you just have to kind of think about what your must haves are, you know, what you need to survive and figure out how to make that happen. Yeah. And I'll, I'll add real quick, we, we've had this conversation with pretty much every person we've traveled with and what it always comes down to is there's a certain epiphany that people have where they say, you know, my path in life is set out for me if I continue down this road, but I want to change it. And that the awakening is usually the thought that I can always go back and work a, a job. I can always go back and do the same thing. But if I were to die tomorrow or I get hit by a bus or whatever happens, then would I be fulfilled in my life? And, and most of the time people say no. So th the question then becomes, well, how do I fulfill, how do I fulfill myself and my potential? And that's, that's where the, the path starts to become a divide and people take a different turn and realize there's other opportunities out there that they can actually achieve. It's not just fantasy and there's ways to do it. You just have to let go of, uh, of your fears. And as Jen said, the hardest part is just committing that yes. And once you commit the yes, then then you're able to start the problem solving aspect and the planning aspect of making it work uh, in whatever context it is for you and your dreams and realities. Yeah, these are those are all awesome points. I'm, I'm just sitting here like smiling because I agree with so much of what you're saying. Um, you know, two things that you guys brought up that I really, you know, that resonated with me. Um, that I've either seen other people go through or have experienced myself are, um, you know, one is, is just trying it and, you know, not, especially like me, I'm such a, a detailed person. I like to work out, you know, the, the nitty gritty of things before they happen. Um, but I've learned that 
I've learned so much more or taken so much more out of an experience where I kind of just grabbed some essentials and, you know, went somewhere for the weekend or a week. And it's amazing how that will transition or, you know, progress into something larger and larger. And like you guys said, really show you what you value most in life. Um, you know, I had all this, you know, outdoor gear and all this stuff that I just found so necessary. And eventually I just, you know, disappeared in a camper for a month, basically. And I came back and went, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. mm, totally. So, yep. So you really start to understand the values um, that, you know, really are most important to you. And then I think Dave's point um, about looking at the worst case scenario uh, basically, if I make this leap, what is the absolute worst that can happen? Um, and I think, you know, leaving something like you guys said, leaving a, a corporate job or something that you really thought was the dream, you know, most people that take the time to look at that and, and think back on it, um, you know, bef when they're thinking about making this plunge, if, if you really think about it, you know, you can almost always get that job or a similar job again. It's not like a do or die type deal usually. Yep. Yeah. So, and I think if we look at life and as a book, you know, it's a series of chapters and, you know, our bicycle tour was one chapter and now we're on to another chapter and, you know, whatever you're doing isn't the period in your life. Like there's commas and there's, there's different pages, and if something isn't working, then you can stop and do something else. Yeah, you can constantly adjust as it goes, and like you said, every chapter could be entirely different until until you find you know the path that resonates with you most. Exactly. So let's uh, let's talk about the question that I think a lot of people you know probably assume, especially when. They, you know, see your, they read your blog or see your Instagram page and they think, oh my gosh, like to disappear, you know, for two years, do 20 plus countries, uh, you know, mommy, daddy must have left some money, you know, they won the lottery. You guys have this secret stash of just tons of cash letting you guys do these adventures, right? Totally. No. <laughs> <laughs> So how, how did you do it? You know, I know you guys mentioned that you, you don't have this, this trust fund, you know, that's letting you, you know, embark on these amazing journeys every day. How did you do it financially? Sure. Well, we bought a bunch of Bitcoin. No, I'm just kidding. So what, <laughs> what, uh, what it comes down to is Jen and I, um, we don't have any kids and we live a, a very minimal life. So we set out a plan of saying, okay, while we're working, let's maximize the income we can make and we'll drop down our cost as much as possible. So we dropped our Netflix account. We reduced the minutes on our phone. We got rid of our cable. We stopped driving as much. We carpooled when we could. We, I mean, anywhere we could reduce our cost while we're in that savings period, we did. And then we also said, how can we make more money? So things like we sold textbooks, we sold regular books online. I sold so much stuff, old gear on eBay. Um, we rented out our, our place we were staying on Airbnb when we were traveling. Um, we would go in the summer pretty much every weekend, go out and go camping, and then rent our place. 
uh, anything we could do to really save money is what we did. So no, there's no trust fund and there's no, um, you know, pipeline of funds that I wish we had. Uh, but what we've done is we, we saved a lot while we were working. And then when we traveled, we didn't spend much. And when you're living out of some panniers in a, a burly trailer, you can't really buy anything. So we didn't buy anything. It's just that simple. The only thing we have to pay for is our food and accommodation. And we did a, a ton of camping and wild camping, which is very inexpensive. Our transportation is free on bicycle. So really it comes down to the cooking that Jen does. And Jen's a fantastic vegan chef. So we, you know, we don't have to spend a whole lot to eat as well. So really what it comes down to is altering your lifestyle of realizing, uh, okay, if I can in- decrease my cost to the point where I don't have to have a lot of money or I don't have to make a lot of money, well, then you can start to spend your time and be more, uh, spend your time in a way that's more efficient for you and your lifestyle choices as opposed to being time poor but money rich because you're working so many hours, you're just adding numbers into a bank account. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Super cool stuff. Um, really, I really appreciate you guys sharing the info on, you know, just downsizing and, you know, like you said, the selling component, but also once you hit the road or, you know, whatever the adventure is for you guys, um, you know, just changing the way that you spend. And, you know, like you said, when you're on a bike with a dog and a trailer, you don't really have room to accumulate every, all this stuff that you always, you know, imagine buying. And I think that's one of the beauties behind like the tiny house movement. Uh, you know, people are sure it's, it's, and I, at this point, I, you know, I don't even like to call it a movement because I think it's pretty much here to stay. I think it's just a lifestyle. And I think the beauty behind it is that people are not only, you know, having a smaller footprint in their living, but they, every time they go to purchase something, it's a really big decision rather than just filling this large house that we don't need, you know? Yeah, and I, I'll also throw out that in in our case, um, we tried to barter as much as possible too, and get out of the system. I cleaned toilets in a Bolivian hostel. Uh, we did some workaway exchanges, laying tile and taking care of dogs. It's just w- whatever you can do to realize that it's a trade with your time for some value. And that, yes, when you are buying something for, oh, what do we need? We need like new bike shoes. And it was like, we really put a lot of time into effort into researching the particular shoes we needed. And it was a big purchase. And, but it wasn't, oh, I need a new phone. I need a new whatever t-shirt, something like that, that you just, you, you don't need. You, you learn to value what you have and make it last. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Purchases mean so much more, you know, when you're putting that much thought into it and really, you know, not just, not just spending, you know, subconsciously, you're, you're really putting a lot of thought into the process, which is how it should be. Um, you know, cause then items don't just get thrown on a shelf and collect and, uh, collect dust, you know, in a garage or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you guys think that, you know, having your, your expedition, the, you know, your two year journey going, to other countries, do you think it's something that could be pulled off in the United States? Or do you think that our environment and, you know, our culture just aren't as, as welcoming to the process of, uh, you know, like you guys said, bartering and, and living, you know, 
a little more um, low scale as far as you know spending and everything go? Do you think it's something that we could pull off here? I do think it is something you can pull off here. And, you know, we have not done a bicycle tour across the United States, um, but we know others who have, or I've read books about people who have. And, you know, it's kind of, I think, in some ways similar to Europe in terms of cost. Everyone thinks Europe is very expensive, and it can be, just like the U.S. can be. But, again, if you're traveling with your shelter and your transportation, then there's really little else to spend money on. And I think um, I think that when you're traveling like that, you're you're really vulnerable to to relying to having to rely on other people often. And you know, this I think is the same for the U.S. versus Europe and South America, where we traveled, but. Um, we, you know, we often stayed in, in complete strangers' homes. We would, you know, darkness would be approaching. We didn't have anywhere to camp. We were kind of in between a city and the middle of nowhere. And we would just ask people where to camp and they would invite us into their homes. And I know that happens here too. We have friends that this has happened to. And, you know, like I said, we've read stories about it. And so I think, I think it's just kind of, um, you know, it's it's all about how how you do it. There are a lot of people who are living out of their vans here and they're making it happen. And I think especially if you already live in the U.S. and you're paying a rent and you're paying a cell phone bill and you're paying a cable bill and you're paying all these things, when you give all that up, it's significantly less expensive to live. And so I think yeah, I think it's possible. I think I think it's more expensive than other places for sure, but I do think it's possible to to do that here. Awesome. Yeah, the van life has has blown up and you know, I'm East Coast based, so it's it's a little less prominent, but I would love to see, you know, just the dominance that exists out west just to make its way over because um, you know, and same thing, I think, you know, there's companies companies out there like Escape Camper Vans that let you live this life for, you know, a week or two. And I think it's just huge for people to just go try it because it'll really, it shows you that it's very, very doable. So, you know, say someone's listening right now and they're like, all right, I'm ready. I want to try this, whether it's a weekend, a week, a month, whatever it is, I'm ready. Let's talk about, especially for some, some longer term trips, um, you know, some of the finer logistics behind it, um, you know, like food and sleep. And I know you guys mentioned money and stuff like that. Um, besides selling stuff, you know, at the beginning, uh, and I know you said you mentioned the Airbnb rental. What did you have a source of income while you guys were traveling? Um, yeah, so I did some, I'm a writer, so I would write for magazines on occasion or company blogs. Uh, Sora also has some sponsors. So, hey, if you travel with a dog, they're pretty cute. You can, you can earn money off your dog, basically. Absolutely. Um, so, and, you know, like I keep saying, the places, most of the places we're traveling are very inexpensive. So, there were times where we were actually saving money while we were traveling and really not earning that much, like not much at all. But because we had very few expenses, 
you know, there's nothing to spend it on. So you just keep it. Um, and so, yeah, since we've gotten back home, we've been transitioning more to, to freelancing and, you know, our, our, our goal is to, to always, you know, if it's too expensive where we are, then we can go somewhere else and, and lower our costs so that we don't have to work nine to five jobs ever again. Yeah. I think the, the world of, you know, freelancing and how much can be done remotely is, um, it's really going to change the game. And I know a lot of, you know, a lot of companies and stuff, not to get into it, but they don't, you know, they don't like that side of things because they need their employees and such. But I think that in, you know, whatever 10 to 20 years, I think that a huge percentage of our population is going to be working from a computer. And, you know, whether I, you know, personally, and I think a lot of our listeners would take a lower income any day over the, the freedom the, and the time flexibility to live a life like that where you really, you know, if you have time to work, you work. And if, you know, that day is, is more adventure based or you need to travel, you have that flexibility. Um, and I think that that is probably going to become our new definition of rich in a sense. You know, I think it's just that freedom is something that I think a lot of people, once they get a taste of it, are really going to, they're going to aim for. Um, and then how about food? I know you guys mentioned that, you know, you have, you had a, a pretty impressive, uh, chef with you guys on the road. Um, I know Jen, you is, most things are, are plant-based and vegan, correct? Yep. Okay. And did you guys find that, you know, making food while you guys traveled was ever something that was a difficulty or, or was it pretty easy as you went? It was fairly easy. Um, Europe was super easy because, you know, they have everything we have here. Um, and there's towns every 20 kilometers or so. Um, once we got into the Balkans and then South America, in places in South America, it was more difficult because, you know, you don't have that variety. Um, and they don't even know what vegetarianism is. And so you have to explain it. And, um there were days in, in Patagonia where we would have to buy food supplies to last five days. And so you're carrying really heavy things because you need things that last that long. And um, so you just kind of, um, you have to get really creative, which was challenging at times, but it was really fun because I just had a small one pot burner. And uh, I often kind of joked that I just really made the same meals. And using the same ingredients, just different spices to, to kind of change it up a bit. Um, and then, you know, it was, it was kind of fun eating out. You know, we, ha we would have to, you know, explain what we are. And often it was not in our language or even characters that we could understand. And what is vegan? You don't eat that. <laughs> what do you eat? Like, seriously, it's, it wasn't a joke. It was like, I don't understand. What is there? What else is there? <laughs> Or they, they'd be like, oh, there's just a little bit of chicken. And we're like, we don't eat a little bit of chicken. <laughs> there, it, it is or it isn't. Yeah, there's not just little amounts. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's awesome. I, uh, I'm really glad you guys shared that. And, you know, is it, were you guys um, eating a similar, um, you know, I, I'll just, were you guys vegan before the trip or, or was it something that happened? Did your, did your diet and lifestyle change while you guys were traveling? 
Um, yes, all of the above. So okay. we, <laughs> we're, we're both long-term vegetarians. And before leaving, I was cooking, I don't know, probably 95% vegan at home. And we were eating vegetarian when we'd go to friends' houses or out to eat because it was easier. And we kind of decided when, you know, when we left that we'll be a vegetarian because we felt like we were going to miss out on cultural cuisines and things like that. Um, and then we had some friends come and visit us and ride with us about halfway through a European journey and they're vegan. And so we ate vegan while they were visiting and, uh, you know, they kind of showed us how you are, how you travel as a vegan. And we saw that it wasn't that difficult and so we decided to just keep it going after they left and, and never looked back. And for us, and I think realistically, most travelers who are vegan or have other dietary restrictions, it's really important to be flexible because I know there were times where, you know, there's lard in the bread probably that we ate and there was cheese and some bread other bread things that we got that we didn't realize and sometimes there's no other options or sometimes you just have to say you know this isn't going to kill me it's not what I want but it's okay and and just be flexible with it because if you're if you're so rigid you know you do the best that you can and there's just times where it's not possible and 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 you just have to accept that and, and be okay with it. And yeah, I know. think sometimes, um, especially with, you know, diets and, and lifestyles, you know, such as, you know, switching to vegetarian or vegan, I think people look at it as so, so, you know, black and white or one or the other, I'm either vegan or I'm not. And, um, you know, that's, that's fine for some people. I think the switch, you know, is, is welcomed by some, but I think that a lot of people, like you said, need to just maintain some flexibility with it and, you know, realize that if you maintain that, you know, a, a healthy, uh, you know, vegetarian lifestyle or vegan lifestyle five or six days out of the week and, you know, maybe not one, that's so much better than just, you know, not doing it at all. Yeah, I think when, you know, we, when we're super restrictive or rigid, then, you know, I think that's where a lot of people fail, you know, like, I can't do this because it's too much for me. And so, you know, we, we always just tell people, if it's something you're interested in trying, just try doing it one day a week and see how you like it. Or I started off trying for a month and I really liked what it did to my body and I just stuck with it. And, you know, I think you just... You have to do what works for you. I, you know, I don't think there has to be one, one definition for for every form of diet or way to eat. There's, you know, you can do it your own way, and that's okay. Absolutely, and I think that uh, is a really good transition to, you know, the outlook that you guys have on adventure and traveling. Uh, you know, as a whole, um, I'd imagine that a lot of your followers and those that you inspire look at things like your two-year trip and, and think, oh my gosh, that's so cool that, you know, that they pulled that off. But that's, that's something that's just way, way too far out of my reach. And 
for a lot of people, you know, a, a two year journey is definitely is is way too much for them. Um, but I know you guys also value the other side tremendously of, you know, the daily adventure and and getting started with maybe a weekend trip. Um, so what do you think that people are kind of overlooking um, when it comes to traveling and adventuring with dogs and especially and how do you suggest that people, you know, just like the, the diet or the lifestyle, how do you suggest that they get started to, you know, just, you know, converting their lifestyle over and, and starting small? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head by starting small. I think each each big adventure, whether small or large, starts with the first step. And whatever that first step may be, go do it. So we tell people all the time that have asked us, oh, I want to cycle tour with our dog. I want to do this big trip. And we say, go out for a weekend. You don't need to go buy all this gear and do all these months of planning and figure everything out. Just go do it for one weekend and see if you like it. See if your dog likes it. And we, and we do the same thing for trail running. Um, we tell people to do that. Um, or people ask us about it. And how do I get my dog to run with me? And start in your neighborhood. Start around the block. Start. Just start. That's, that's all it comes down to is starting. It doesn't matter in what capacity. There's no... You don't get any uh, uh, special rewards for going farther, longer, harder. It's a matter of just doing, in my opinion, or I should say our opinion. And I think the most important thing is to realize that there is no failure. Uh, there's only there's only doing it. Um, we, we're so built on excuses and I can't do this and you know internalizing all the reasons that things are going to fail. And... The more that you do that, the more you're going to hold yourself back and be limited. So I would say that to the people listening and the people that say, well, maybe I can't do it or I'm not sure how, just start very small, no planning needed, go for a walk around the block with your dog. If that works and you like that, then maybe go for two blocks and keep building until you get more and more comfortable and you build that adventure muscle and you feel comfortable doing what you want to be doing and you've sort of found and gravitated towards something that you like and enjoy and your dog enjoys you. I mean, you're, you're enriching the quality of life of your, your dog and yourself by doing and being active. Nobody accomplishes anything by just sitting, sitting on their their butts, quite frankly. Absolutely. And that's gotta be one of the coolest things about dogs is if you take a dog out, you know, just for a quick adventure around a local park or you take them on a longer, you know, expedition, they are just so happy just to be out there with you. And, um, you know, whereas children tend to get a little bit smart and learn what's available in life, I think a dog just, <laughs> just really appreciates whatever you give him or her. Absolutely. I'll also throw out one uh, favorite tip or trick of ours is when we're in a new place, we'll go on Google Maps and we'll just look for the green space in an area, even in our neighborhood, even where uh, we are right now in Seattle. And find a green space, click on it, chances are there's images and you can see, oh, this looks nice um, or it doesn't. And just go visit it. It doesn't have to be a big place. You can go. There's usually maps. There's usually um, you know, some sort of signs that tell you where you're going or not. And you can just go out and go on a, a short-term adventure and explore. I and mean, we're all explorers at heart and we were as kids and we still are today. And we just need to, we need to open ourselves up to that energy. 
that is like that's that's perfect that's such a good idea and i think especially for people that are looking to get started or don't realize you know what's around them i think that that's a really awesome piece of advice um you know just to discover new areas especially um you know i i come from an area that offers so much but is really really underappreciated um in northeast pennsylvania and I think that if more people around here did something like that and, you know, if people with their dogs just learn to explore and reach out a little bit more um, to new areas, they will, they'll stop settling just into, you know, the same routines. And mm. once you start that discovery process, I think that it's, it's pretty addictive. Oh, it's totally addictive. Cause I mean, even, you know, here there's where we currently are, you know, we're often complaining, oh, there's nothing, there's no trails around here. And that's not true. They might not be the most exciting trails to us. And it's, it is, it's fun to see something new. And like Dave was saying, your dog thinks everything is great. As long as there's <laughs> new things to smell, then they're happy. And, you know, it's all about <laughs> making And some days are going to be really small adventures. And other days are going to be 17-mile runs. And, you know it's good to have that variety and it, it keeps you, it keeps you, it keeps that muscle active and wanting more. And, and I think that's all part of the adventure. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I think our, well, I know that our, our listeners and our community in general really value, um, you know, tips like, like you said, with Google maps, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I know, I think this is something that people will, also value is you guys use um and or at least you did a lot in your travels used i uh i overlander correct the app yep what um you know can you talk a little bit about that one how it helped you out i know it's helped it's definitely helped me out um or if there's any other you know apps or you know programs or anything like that that you guys have come across that you think people could benefit from whether it's a weekend or a month however long their their travels you know extend um something that can help them uh, especially with um sleeping um i think that's a big one that people consider to be a barrier places to sleep that are dog friendly sure um so for i overlander we discovered it actually hanging out with overlanders at this campground in chile um and they told us about it and it became really popular among the cycling community in South America because you're all kind of, there's like one route really in many parts. So you're, you know, you're, you're following the same path. And so, um, I overlander is more than just about where to sleep for the night. It includes things like good places to eat or where to, you know, find water, water or where there's good Wi-Fi or, where is, you know, where you can go with your dog and things like that. So, you know, it's helpful on a variety of levels and, you know, it helped us, you know, you can't always camp where you can, bicycle tours can't always camp in the same places that people in cars can, but it does give you a general idea. So um, that was super helpful. Another app that uh, we've relied on heavily is maps.me because it's an offline map and you just have to download the map of, you know, whatever country you're in. And 
I don't use Google Maps that often anymore um, because it's just so great to have. It works anywhere. Uh, so we would use it uh, in cycle touring. David planned all, all of our routes using it. I use it hiking today. You know, often we'll, I'll be hiking with some friends and, you know, Google's not working because there's no reception. But, you know, I whip out my phone. I'm like, oh, I have the map right here and here's the trailhead and I can see exactly where we are. So that has been super, super helpful for any outdoor activities. Um, and then as far as finding dog friendly accommodations, that could be tricky. Um South America is one of those places where you can either go anywhere with your dog because they kind of don't have a lot of rules or you can't go anywhere with your dog. And that kind of depended on the country or the city you were in. Like Cusco was really hard to find a dog-friendly place because it's such a big touristy city and they didn't want dogs in the hotel. So, you know, we had to go around for an hour on our bikes when we were already dog tired, knocking on doors of hotels, seeing if they would let us stay with our dog. Um, so often we would use booking.com um, and book ahead of time if we could to, cause you know, that way we could just arrive in the city, have a place already picked out for us. And, you know, you can filter by dog friendly on booking, so that was super helpful for us. Um, other times, you just kind of have to beg <laughs> and and you know tell them your dog is clean and well behaved because in a lot of places like South America, they you know they they know street dogs that aren't behave you know aren't trained and they live outside, so they're dirty and they have fleas, and you have to kind of explain that you know my dog is not like that and. Um, yeah, I think in the U.S., I think it's, you know, more clear with hotels, they say specifically if they are or are not dog friendly. I've kind of found that smaller places tended to be tend to be easier to kind of sway and make an argument in your favor. Um, but there's more rules here. So it's I don't know. I think it could be we haven't tried cycle touring in like being in need of a place to stay that allows our dog here. So I don't know. Well, there's also like bring Fido is a great app <laughs> in the U S and there's lots of, there's well documented here of where you can bring your dog in camp, but just, just some like, uh, some furry woof pro tips here would be when you're talking with accommodations, it's important to tell them that your dog uses the toilet outside and always be honest about this stuff, that they're quiet. We always say that she has a bed so she sleeps on her own bed because um, they're worried about the dog getting on the sheets and whatever else it might be on or the sofa and letting them know that you you've traveled exactly that your dog is completely trained that they're not just a wild animal and we'll even come show them the dogs we've done that before we've said come look at our dog and we have her then do her tricks in front of the person sit shake roll over all that kind of stuff so Jen gave a lot of good info it's, it just depends on the location but Finding accommodations sounds worse than it really is. If you have the right tools, you can make it happen. So, no, I think I'm really, really happy that you guys shared all those resources. And um, I think, you know, whether people have tried some or all of them or none of them, I think that they all, pretty much every listener will be able to take something out of what you guys offered. Um, I know, and I've never, you know, utilized it in travels in other countries, but um, 
you know, personally for me, I do a lot of, uh, you know, um, car just road trips and finding places as I go. And personally for me, I don't know if you guys have tried or had success with it, but, um, you know, the Airbnb community that, you know, I've taken advantage of as far as, you know, traveling goes now that, now that the network is just so large with people that have homes. Um, I think that, that, option to explain um you know about your dog and like you guys said all the details about how your dog is temperament sleeping everything like that um i've had such a high success rate on airbnb as far as you know messaging a homeowner before even booking it or anything whether it says dog friendly or not and just saying hey you know i have a golden retriever like you guys said crazy good temperament good with other people good with dogs if they're around you know not destructive doesn't sleep on the bed stuff like that um it's i've had so much success you know just having those conversations with them and um you know i think that's a really big thing like you know you don't want to be too pushy about it if someone isn't dog friendly that you know it is what it is um but you know i think you know also explaining a little bit about your dog and uh, you know, the lifestyle that you guys live is, is critical. Yeah. I, I think you're spot on there. You know, this, the Airbnb community is great and, and the ability to communicate is awesome too. One, one thing we've learned we haven't had to use as much is, is having sort of a spiel practiced and ready to go that you can just say, and when we were in South America, we would, I would tell them we've traveled with our dog for X amount of time and not had a single issue. And sort of broken Spanglish and and they would understand it. I've seen people and heard of people and we haven't had to do this so much, but I think domestically here in the US it would be beneficial of having um, some references of places you've stayed that have said like, yes, this dog has stayed here, they were great, zero issues, just their name, location, and whether it was Airbnb or a hotel or whatever. Uh, I, I have heard of that being helpful um, something that you can send to people because it's really just a it's they just want to make sure that their place is not going to get destroyed. So it, it's pretty understandable. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to put yourself in, you know, their shoes and and know that they're just looking out. You know, these people aren't just like dog haters. They're just concerned about, you know, their home, especially if it's their own home and not just a hotel. Um, and it's something that people need to respect. And you know, it's it's kind of comes back to the whole going to the park and picking up your dog's poop with a poo bag. And, you know, if one person does it wrong, it, it, it outweighs just 100 people doing it correct, you know? Definitely. So I think, um, you know, I think uh, people are going to have a lot to run with here, especially, especially if they're looking to, you know, get started and just kind of take that leap into either traveling or adventuring with a dog. Um, really super appreciative of everything that you guys have offered here today. Uh, is there anything that you guys wanted to talk about that, you know, we haven't gotten to yet? You know, and to just sort of summarize, it's, it's really just getting out and doing. Nobody accomplishes anything by just sitting at home. So make it happen, even if it's small. Get out, just get outside. I mean, that's basically what it is. Get outside and just because, you know, you've, you've heard of this white picket fence fantasy your whole life doesn't mean that that that's what you have to do. Um, you know, embrace embrace who you are and embrace what you want to be. Absolutely, and you know I think Instagram and and social media are 
a beautiful thing. I think we're able to inspire and educate a lot of people through, you know, different mediums online. Uh, but I also think that, you know, people can become a little too obsessed with it and, uh, you know, lack that step of taking action, like you guys said. So um, maybe we'll, we'll throw that out as the absolute, you know, the overarching tip of the day is just if you need to get a little bit of inspiration or encouragement, you know, sure, check out our pages and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, what's going to make the difference is, is who got up and took action and, and who, you know, just sat and scrolled through too many photos. Right. <laughs> it is addictive, though. I, I understand sometimes I find myself really in awe about the things that people have online. It's, it's impressive. <laughs> um, <laughs> so speaking of awesome pages, um, I know you guys are just incredible um, as far as Instagram goes. Your blog is is phenomenal. Um, where could our followers uh, find you guys after this episode concludes? We are at longhaultrekkers.com and that's our name on Instagram as well and other social medias that we are not quite as active on, but still have a presence. Um, but yeah, we're long haul trekkers across, across the board and yeah, thank you so much for having us on and for, you know, giving us a space to, to tell people that they can do this as well, that, you know, it's, they don't have to, to say I can't, they can say I can. And, you know, we really appreciate what you're doing to, to spread this message. I think that it's great. And, you know, I, we just want more people to be living happy, fulfilling lives and, and know that they, they can do these things. They can get out of the rut that they're in or whatever, you know, whatever's making them unhappy. So thank you for creating this space. And that's a wrap on episode eight, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. Jen, Dave, Sora, you guys are incredible. Thank you so much for taking time to be on our episode today. And thank you to all those that tuned in. I hope you learned a lot. I know you definitely gained some inspiration from it. Just remember, follow your path that you're really passionate about. Pursue your dreams and just go for it. Start with a small step and pursue what's on your mind. Other than that, guys, I hope you have an awesome day, awesome night, whenever it is that you're listening to this. Don't forget about our YouTube channel that we're starting to add content to now, which has been very exciting. And if you guys have questions, remember you can always email us, info at traildogsusa.com. Whether it's a comment or a question, we are here for you guys. Other than that, you can always check us out on Instagram at last. That's our roots as you guys know it. And we're on there as trail dogs. So check it out. And other than that, guys, I hope you have an awesome day or night, depending on when you're listening to this. And remember to keep aiming to give your dog a life worth living.